Before we welcome today's guest to the show, I need to let you know about my upcoming summer visibility sprint. I know lots of you will be taking time off over summer and so will I, but I'm still 100% sure you can find time to fit in this challenge. I've designed it so that it's spread out over a few weeks. You can watch back in your own time and it includes manageable actions that are going to have a big impact on your business no matter when you implement. I don't know about you, but personally, I find summer is a great time to focus on growing my own business. Lots of people are on holiday, the emails coming in should hopefully be fewer in number, and my daily routine is different, which usually leaves me with pockets of time when I can focus on developing the business rather than rushing towards the usual daily deadlines. So if you've ever wondered, how can I be seen by more of my ideal clients? How can I make more regular monthly income? And what does it really take to stand out and be seen online? Then you need the Summer Visibility Sprint. You can find all the details and secure your spot for just £39 at nikkihutchison.com forward slash get dash visible. I promise you this is going to be the best £39 you spend this summer. I hope to see you in there. Welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Hutchison, and I'm delighted you're here. The Audience Growth Podcast exists to help you learn how to use organic marketing. That's marketing that costs nothing or very little to grow your business. Far too frequently, small business owners spend lots of money on advertising without getting the results they were expecting and hoping for. And it doesn't need to be that way. So every week here on the podcast, we dive into strategies that will help you grow a business that's here for the long term, sometimes on solo episodes and sometimes on longer guest episodes. On today's episode, I'm chatting to the one and only Queen Bee, Danny Wallace. Danny is a survivor. She has an incredible backstory involving hardship and homelessness, as well as performing and singing. These days, Danny is a speaker coach, managing director of I Am The Queen Bee, host of Be Inspired, a biannual two-day event in Manchester, and a whole lot more. I recently met Danny at Atomicon in Newcastle, and I'm booked onto her Be Inspired event in September. It's already sold out, and I can't wait to spend a high-energy couple of days with Danny and her community. For now, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Danny Wallace to the podcast. Hey, Danny. Hello, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. So for anyone who's listening and might not have come across you before, I've given a quick introduction there, but could you share a little bit about what a day in your business looks like and who it is that you love to work with? Well, it's interesting because there is no one day that ever looks the same. I think we were just having a little chat before we went live with the podcast about just what this week looks like. So there are two different types of people that I work with. I'm a public speaking coach. That's my muggle job, if you will. So I help create safe spaces to have conversations that matter. I help people who have a mission or a business to slay the dragon of public speaking and share their mission and their business message so that they can create more impact, more influence, more income. Or if they are an established speaker already, taking them from great to exceptional by considering different ways of attacking talks that they may have done day in, day out for years and years and years. So really elevating their speaking tools, their arsenal of awesome when it comes to speaking. So that's like one side of things. And then I have a CIC, 
called the Fly Anyway Foundation. So I help people who've experienced domestic abuse build businesses. So already within those sorts of demographics, there's quite a broad spectrum audience that I speak to. So the week for me, on a Monday, Wednesday and a Friday, I share through the short Wise Up Rise Up show what I'm getting up to, sharing successes and challenges. A lot of what I do is sort of live streaming done in the online space. I'll have one-to-one coaching, group coaching programs that I'll be running online. And then, so for the rest of the week, for example, tomorrow I'm working for a water company going to do some motivational speaking within the corporate sector. On Friday, we're doing all of our inclusivity policy planning with a fantastic inclusion expert. Sunday, I'm speaking at a domestic abuse conference, speaking from the experience of somebody who's experienced domestic abuse, but also who now is in the sort of the helping and service sector of the industry. So it's really broad spectrum. And it's difficult for not just the people around me to keep up, but myself sometimes. (laughs) There's absolutely no danger of you being pigeonholed, is there? (laughs) Never, never, never. So let's talk about your community. I've been so excited to speak to you because you have genuinely built a kick-ass community, haven't you? They are amazing. They are amazing. A community is such a great word. One of the ways that we describe the way that we behave is that we are the hands at each other's back. So whether they are just starting out in business or they're just interested in self-development, personal development, a good and safe and inclusive community, or they are eight-figure earners who want to kind of get that freshness of being around a safe community where they can be themselves, they can be a little bit vulnerable and share their journey as well. And the premise of the community is that we all do well when we all do well. Safe spaces to have conversations that matter. And through that, creates such a ripple effect through the whole community and their communities. There are lots of community facilitators that are within IATQB that then go and kind of spill out some of the conversations that we have into their community. So the ripple effect that is forged within my audience is just, oh, it's delicious. And so I saw this, probably not in full effect. I feel like I'm going to get the full effect when I come down to Manchester in September to your event. But I did see this at Atomicon. You know, you've got such loyal community members and really raving fans. But I'm guessing it's taken a while to get to this point. So can you share a little bit about the steps that have led you to where you've got to today? Yeah, it's funny, you know, because the IATQB, the business, is celebrating its fourth birthday this week. Congrats. Thank you so much. And, And it really does mean the world. It feels like such a milestone. But I've been audience building now for approximately 10 years. So for people in the business space may have seen me kind of burst into the industry and I'm perceived as a bit of an overnight success, but there are no overnight successes. There are none. I like, I'm literally yet to find a success that hasn't been a number of years in the making, that hasn't been hard slog and graft. So for me, community has always been really, really important. I'm a massive oversharer. And from the second there was a capability on Facebook to go live, I would share my journey. So at the time I first started doing live streaming, it was 10, 11 years ago. And I was not long since out of a situation whereby I was homeless with my two kids. They were under the age of three at the time. The people that were in my periphery or that were connected with me on social media were aware that this was happening. I'd just come out of corporate. I just started working for myself. And what I would do in order to keep myself safe, I was a singer. When I came out of corporate, I was a singer, a single full-time. That's how I made my money. So I was gigging Thursday, Friday day, Friday night, Saturday day, Saturday night, Sunday day, Sunday night, so on. And in order to keep myself safe so that people knew where I was, I would put my phone up on the dashboard 
before going into a gig and put my makeup on and talk to people about what I was getting up to that day, that week, that weekend. And also at the same time, people would know where I were. So I could like lock the door and say, right, everyone, I'm in Blackpool. I'm on the seafront. Here's where I am. Put my makeup on. People are strange on the internet, man. They would just watch me put my makeup on. They love to watch that. (laughs) And then stay for the stories. And I would start to share with them my hopes, my dreams, my insights, things that were happening to and for me at the time. All through this time, my dad, he got an acquired brain injury. That was a very difficult situation. I'd just be sharing insights into what I was getting up to, what my hopes were. And then as that started to grow and unfold, people would come back and watch and engage and root for me. And that was really the basis of the I Am The Queen Bee community. And then from there, I decided that, you know, this business malarkey was all right, but felt really lonely. And more generic networking spaces were okay, but didn't work for everyone. I wanted to provide a safe space to share challenges, to reach for a network. You didn't necessarily have to pay for it. And just to be somewhere where you could be safe and be vulnerable and at the same time be forward moving. So I created the IATQB Hive, which is a group that I have now, where people do just that. It's a non-selling space. People go in, they share their successes, share their challenges. The audience was built through me putting my makeup on on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) And it takes a certain level of confidence to do that kind of thing, doesn't it? Do you think you have always been super confident? I've seen you speak on stage. You certainly come across that way. Or has that changed as you've grown older and more experienced in things? I'm not ever sure that confidence is the right term to apply to what it is that I do, the way in which I do it. It appears confident because of the nature of the beast, right? I'm a performer. And when we look at confidence, people often look at introversion and extroversion, right? And introverts often see themselves as not confident. And they look at extroverts and go, oh, wait, they're extroverts, they're confident. And actually, once we understand that that's just where you get your energy from, I'm actually more introverted than many people would give me credit for. I assess a room, I risk assess wherever it is that I'm at to make sure that I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people. Am I safe? I want to make sure that if I'm in a room, I'm providing value. So the performance aspect, I know how performance works intrinsically. I've been on stage since I was seven years old. Am I confident in performing? Yes. Am I a confident person? That's very different. So I will constantly be looking at the things that I'm doing, assessing what it is that I'm doing, questioning what it is that I'm doing. I always joke and I say this is part of my talks, the voice of my imposter syndrome is that of Nikki Graham in the diary room. Who is she? You know, (laughs) if I think about the way that I question myself sometimes, But I also know that what I have to facilitate, I'm a conduit more than I am anything else. What I facilitate is more important than me being worried about what I look like and me being worried about what people perceive of me. Mm -hmm. Actually providing safe spaces to have conversations that matter, that concept is far more important as to whether I'm questioning myself or confident or not. So am I a confident person? Depends. Depends on what situation that I'm in. If it's a new situation, not really. I went to an event called Atomicon last week. And even though I was on the main stage and I was on an incredible lineup and I'm a speaking coach, I still referred to myself as not one of the proper speakers. So I'm <laughs> I'm sat with like the real speakers, the Dan Priestleys and the Chris Doe's and the Leah Turner's. And I'm Danny Wallace sat alongside them, even though I'm on the same lineup. 
in my mind, still kind of, where do I position myself? Well, interestingly, not where people may think I position myself. That said, do I know what I'm talking about? And this is what confidence really is. Do I know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Am I well rehearsed? Yes. Do I make sure I do my research? Yes. Do I make sure that when I'm in that safe space, that I can command the space to be intentional about it? Yes. And I think that the difference between what people perceive confidence and what confidence is, which is just knowing, then yeah. Does that make sense? That was quite a long-winded answer. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think one of the things that I do to make myself feel more confident is what you've mentioned there, which is about making sure that I am really well prepared and kind of assessing who's going to be there, what the scenario is likely, you know, how things are likely to play out. Yeah. And when you (laughs) don't, that's when you feel more fear. Like more often than not, I'll walk into a situation, people go, are you nervous? I would be really nervous in this situation. And actually, I'd be like, no, because I know my talks, I know inside out, the training that I do, I know what I'm teaching inside out. I know my clients, I make sure that I know them when they're coming in. We have face-to-face conversations, well, Zoom conversations, or we at least have an interaction whereby I know what we're kind of getting into and that person knows. So what I do is in order to generate that confidence is make sure that everything around me is safe. Now, if I was to walk into a hospital, like in a surgeon's situation, an operating theatre, would I feel confident there? Absolutely not, because I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. So I think it's just because in the field of performance, yeah, of course I'm confident because I'm a performer, that's what I do. Put me in any other situation and I'm out. And do you think that's what makes you such a successful public speaking coach? Are you teaching your clients how to up their performance? Yeah, and to be okay with their performance as well, I think is the thing, is to not try to beat anyone else. I think what we do is we tangle, and this is the same for anyone that's growing a business or a community or an audience, is that they will look out into the world of other people that are doing the same thing and compare themselves. So part of what I do is, yes, I teach construction and performance techniques. But actually, it's the underneath work that's almost the most important when it comes to building your business and and becoming a speaker is finding your style, knowing your communication type and being okay with it. Everybody is necessary. Not everybody. And Atomicom is a perfect example of this. And their headliner, Chris Doe, was the polar opposite in terms of dynamic delivery. I am bursting out onto the stage, Mm -hmm. singing Queen Don't Stop Me Now. I've got the audience throwing poo emoji cushions at me to demonstrate an analogy. There's a lot (laughs) going on when I'm on stage. And then Chris Doe came on and spoke in a really calm, really methodical, very engaging way about sales and sales strategy and content strategy. Two polar opposites, two completely different experiences. And I wouldn't have been for everybody. There's a necessary energy that comes from different types of communication. And for me, my part of my job and the majority of my job actually is to get people to tune into that. Like what is it about them that is compelling? What is it about them that is different and unique? And that is that thing that we then amplify and that becomes the magnet. Which of course applies across all of their marketing. Right. But kind of anchored by these speaking gigs that they're hopefully going to get. Yeah. And when we know this, it lends itself to every other aspect of your business, any copy that you're writing, your website, your branding, any lives that you do. So once you understand yourself as a communicator, not just as a speaker, because that's not for everyone. Not everyone wants to speak on a stage. But if you're building a business and building an audience, you're talking, you're saying something because you've got to, right? You are a conduit for a community. You are 
building an audience. You got to tell them something. So when you understand what it is that you're all about, when you really understand from a value set, from a content pillar set, where you're at, then it's much easier then to be the lighthouse. Instead of having to go out and actively find your audience, you shine so brightly that the other people that are attracted to you can find you. And I think that when you're growing audience, you've got to think about that, right? That often that a lot of the work we think is to go and find people and go and bring them back to you. Well, it's not all that. It doesn't have to be all that. You can make sure that you are a beacon that is attracting the right people to you as well. And I think that's what I love is getting that bit right. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked there about building an audience. Apart from speaking, obviously, what would you say are the other key activities that you do and how often are you still working on that in your business? Uh, So actively networking. So I consistently look for not just events to speak at, but events to attend Because you don't necessarily have to go and be a headliner on a stage or be the holder of a talk in order to make an impact in a room. So the more connections I can make in real life, the better for me. So attending in-person events, even if I've not been invited to speak, to go as fan, as a delegate, to go as an admirer of the producers, to go and feel out the events, to see if that's indeed something that I can go and pitch has been massively pivotal. And that started right in the beginning when I was networking my singing business, that I was the only singer that was actively working the local business networks, standing up doing my 60 second pitch. I didn't, I sang, you know, it was really easy for me to to stand out. So in-person networking was absolutely key making sure that I'm really consistent with my social media. So when people do come and check me out, they can see that what I speak about in real life is reflected in my social media, that my values are reflected in my social media. And that's very, very intentional and always has been. If I go back to those lives putting my makeup on, you know, I'd be talking about kindness, community. We all do when we all do. How can we help each other out? Oh, this is somebody who watches the live really often. They're an expert in this. If anybody needs this person, then you should go and check them out. So all the while being a conduit. So having my social media absolutely reflect everything that I speak about, it means there's no incongruency. So it makes it easier to follow. You know what you're getting. If you meet me in real life, then come to my socials. It's really congruent. And I take it you have some help with that now. You're not doing it all yourself still. Only just, (laughs) literally just. So only in the last six months have I engaged somebody Uh, So engaged a role. Uh, In fact, the incredible Beth Thompson uh, is a member of our team who looks after some of the copy. But it's taken us a long time to make sure that we nail the overarching voice of the business so that everything that goes out sounds like me. Engaging Clue Content Creation Agency to help me batch out some of the stuff because I'm not very trustworthy when it comes to batching out social media. I would post what I felt in the time but that works really well. Yeah, I didn't, does. I never, never posted Nikki what I thought I should be posting and always posted what was on my heart at that particular point in time. And then the skill is just to bring it back to whatever it is that you're selling. If it's indeed a business that you've got and that's what you're doing, always bringing it back to the message, always bringing it back to the golden thread of what it is that we're all about, community and we're always all doing well when we all do well or speaking in my case. So only just, it's taken me four years to actually, I wish I'd have done it before. <laughs> it's like a weight's been lifted off. Yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't have been in the right place, like you say, because they wouldn't have had the values and the messaging and the nuances of what you wanted to say. Yeah. And I think that my audience wouldn't have had the best of me either. Like building this core set of 
like you say, not raving fans, but friends of the business who are really rooting for us. The reason why they root for us is because they get proximity to me. They know it's me that answers my DMs. They know it's me that's in my group. They know it's me that's on the live and they can ask me questions live and I'll be quite open with the value that I give them. I don't hold back. So, and what was brilliant last week was this realization that the people that I looked, I was on the, the big stage and I looked to the left and the right and in the boxes either side was like some of the community that I brought with us. And for me, this is what IATQB is all about, is that nobody came to Fangirl. I took everyone with us and they were there in their own capacity supporting me. They weren't there to be a fan of Danny. They were there to grow their businesses, but I was bringing them with me. You know, I was pointing them out. I was introducing them to people. And that for me was a massive win. It was like, this is what we're here for. It's not just about me being the celebrity of IATQB and me being this little minor celebrity in the social media space. But actually, how do I link arms with my community and bring them with me to the big stuff and not just the small stuff? And that was, I really felt that last week. Love that. Yeah, I felt it. I was there. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, so let's talk about your event, Be Inspired. I've seen the footage from the last one and it basically just looks like a party. (laughs) It looks (laughs) so much fun, but also super professional. Do you hire an events company to help you? No. So again, my performance background, so a little bit of context. I cut my teeth on like cruise ship main show stages. I was a blue coat at Pontins. I grew up doing weddings, hatches, matches, dispatches, theatre shows and everything in between. So when it comes to putting on an event, I know intrinsically what I want to create within that and what is needed in order to create it. So what I wanted to do first with Be Inspired was to create that on a small scale and then bring people in to teach them that as opposed to me trying to explain to an events company, this is the look, feel, whatever. I want it to feel organic. I want it to be an event for the community that I've grown. So when I look at the hands on deck that I have, when now we're at Man United, is that we have Flight Squad. And Flight Squad are members of the IATQB community who volunteer their time, who know the event, who've been at the event, who love the event, and were evangelists for the event to come and be, you know, mental health care practitioners, like obviously the, the ones that are qualified. Or they are, you know, their energy in the room, or they help people with accessibility. They help people with inclusion. They help if someone's been triggered, for example, if there's been a, a particularly emotional talk, then the flight squad know how the event runs from start to finish because they've been to a number of them. And now they want to be a part of it. And for me to help that event grow is to have the, this incredible flight squad there. I have a creative director, Jojo Smith from Creative Sash. She's one of my best friends. She's been through my programs. She's been to the events. Everyone involved knows it inside. And that's why I think it feels so good. It doesn't feel cold. You feel like you're coming home. You feel like you're coming to family, even if you're brand new. So people come to the event if they're brand, brand new and they might feel a bit, never been to the event before. And as soon as they walk through the doors, it's just like getting a hug. It's just like, no, you do what you need to do. Take your space if you need your space. Whoop and holler and dance if that's what you want to do. Don't if you don't. Have a drink if you want to. Don't if you don't. And it's this beautiful space. And I think that's because it's come from inside the community and grown. And I'm so proud of it, Nikki. Just so proud. I love it. I can't wait to experience it I can't wait for you to come. (laughs) We're going to spoil you. (laughs) So... Making Sang, who is a client and friend of mine, she was at the last one creating FOMO. And she was a FOMO creatrice. It worked. 
<laughs> I felt the formal. <laughs> oh, she was fantastic. Yeah, she's amazing. And it's really lovely having those different things. So having making Sang there, doing interviews with people on the day. You know, we think about what are we doing to build community? What are we doing to build audiences? Actually having a facility like a FOMO creator there in the event on the day sharing, you know, what's the speaker's experiences, what's the community's experience, the delegates, the expo, you know, stall holders, what are their experiences, the sponsors, and then sharing that in real time really generates that sense of, this looks like a really cool event, yeah. like I would be down for, so much so that we sold out in 24 hours. That's amazing. So the last event, we got to the end, normally it takes us six months, and we normally finish filling the event a couple of weeks before, so we always sell out. But this time we opened the doors and had to shut them straight away in a panic. We had to scramble the team. <laughs> Quick, take the tickets off sale. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. And if I can be very specific and ask you some questions about your speakers. Yeah. I've heard a rumour that you charge speakers to speak at Be Inspired. Can you talk me through that strategy and... I'm assuming that there must also be some kind of vetting process for quality <laughs> control as well. So the platform for Be Inspired is twofold. It's not a pay-to-play situation. You've got to be really careful about this. It's actually a, a program that's six months long where I teach them everything that I know about speaking. I take them to events. I show them on the insides of different types of events, single track and multi-track events. And at the event, they speak. So they do 20 minutes, which is the equivalent of just shy of a TEDx. So a TEDx is 18 minutes long. They do that. So if they want to go off and do a TEDx, they're prepped and ready for it. But then we create them all of their speaker assets as well. So we create speaker show reels, professional show reels, professional photography, speaker sheets, so that when they finish that process, not only have they got the experience of speaking on a large stage with an incredible audience and have that experience, but also they have everything that they need to then go to producers and bookers and say, look, I'm a safe pair of hands. I'm trained. I know what it is I'm doing. Here's the proof. As opposed to when I first started, I didn't have any of that and producers would laugh at me, even though I'm one of the safest pairs of hands in the UK. Mm -hmm. I had no proof. So what we do is we train them so that they are an incredible speaker. They smash it out of the park at the event and then we create them all the speaker assets. So that's some and the majority of the speakers at Be Inspired. The vetting process is that we have a conversation beforehand to explain to them, what do you want to get out of this process? What do you want to give to the audience? You know, what's the energetic exchange that's there? What's the value that, you know, the wider entrepreneurial audience is going to have once you've finished speaking? And then once those things are aligned, then we say, okay, well, then let's look at working together and then we will start your speaking journey. So it's like going to university, but specifically for speaking, right? So that's that. But then we also have opportunities from members of wider speaking community, established speakers, established community holders, and so on, celebrities, for example, who are aligned with Be Inspired and IATQB to come and share their inspirational stories. So in the past, we've had Natasha Hamilton from Atomic Kitten. We've had Dan Meredith from Coffee with Dan, if anybody knows him, he's incredible. Andrew and Pete from Atomicon have come to speak on my stage. We've had the incredible Queen Mojo. If you don't follow her on Instagram, she is phenomenal. So we've had Queen Mojo on stage. We've had Trina Nicole, Capital Radio presenter, Ramel London. 
So we really look and actively seek out a diverse community from the established speaking sector as well to come in so that it's a level playing field for these new fledgling trained speakers to speak alongside these really established speakers. And what's interesting, Nikki, is that time and time again, people who are new can't tell the difference between the established speakers and the speakers that have come through the program because the quality is that good. So yeah, it's a real testament to the program and the, and the speakers. Okay, so let's talk about your business journey, Danny. And I'd love to know, can you think of any standout moments that have really been a bit of a pinch me moment on your journey so far? My every day at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So I think my very first launch was massively pivotal. So I entered into the online space originally helping really broadly for me. And a lot of people do this is that I just want to help people. I want to help people connect. I want to help people grow. I'll do sort of generic business coaching. I've been around the block enough to know what it takes to build a business. I've also been on the inside of some massive corporate entities, Coffin Warehouse, Jaguar Land Rover, for example. So I know what it takes to build a small business. I know what it takes to build a big business. I want to help really broadly. And then it it was all right, but I wasn't really making any money. People didn't really know what it was that I did. And this is about four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, This is literally, literally four and a half years ago. And then we had a six month run up and then my first launch. And my friend, Lisa Johnson, put out a a status uh, four years ago saying, I'm going over to Malta for a couple of days. Does anyone want to come? And I'd been eyeing up different mentors and, and Lisa was just way outside of the realms of what I could afford. I was literally sort of 300 pound in my back pocket, really not nothing to write home about in terms of what I was making at the time. I was making literally enough money singing to keep us going, to keep our head above water. And I was like, right, if I can afford this flight to Malta, I'll work out where I stay when I get there. I'm tenacious. I've slept on a park bench before today. I've been homeless. Like I know what I'm doing. So the flight was £69, Nikki. So I was like, right, I'm going to Malta. Told me, husband, I'm going, babe, babe, I'm going to Malta. And he looked at me like, what are you doing now? He spends his life in that kind of state with <laughs> That's me. That's a bit like my husband, John. He just, he just rolls, his, <laughs> rolls his eyes and goes, okay, babe, all right. <laughs> and we always pull it off and, it always, you know, it's, it's great. So I went over to Malta and there were about 12, 13 other business owners that went over with Lisa and they were all five, six, seven figure earners. So you can imagine I'm feeling well out of my depth here. I am going out later than everyone else so I don't have to keep up drinking or paying round. I'm ordering a starter from the menu because it's really all I can afford as opposed to having, oh, I'm really full, you know. And the last day, one of the girls had like cottoned on to the fact I'd not told anybody, like I thought I'd played the game really well. And they were all really brilliant and gracious and kind and loving. And some of them are my best friends to this day. But the very last day, the sun was going down. We're on this rooftop bar in Malta and they're kind of doing what we do when we go away, which was almost masterminding. All of these are business owners and they were kind of doing this round the table. What you're struggling with right now, I wonder if we can use our collective resources to help, right? And how did you feel as they were going around the table coming Nikki, towards you? I wanted to die because I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, I don't even have a business to speak of if you think about a business in the way that these incredible women are building businesses. I don't have an audience that I know of, that I'm aware of, that I can commoditize or anything like that. So they were going round and everyone's being helpful and I'm putting my two penneth in and all of a sudden it's all eyes on me and I'm sat there with my glass of Pinot Grigio and I just went, <sighs> they went, so Danny, where are you at? And I was like, look, girls, this is where I'm at. I don't really have a business to speak of, but this is the good that I want to do in the world. And Lisa and the rest of them was like, well, what is your area of expertise? Like, what can you actually teach? What could you build out? What could you teach the world? And I'm like speaking without a shadow of a doubt. 
I know how to construct. I know all the confidence tips, tricks, techniques. I know presentation skills. I know how to get speaking gigs. I know all of it. And I know that I could put it into something that's, you know, really compelling. And then what Lisa did and the rest of the girls, they was like, well, you could do this, this and this. And on the napkin, and I've still got the napkin, she mapped me out like my first launch. She went, do this, do this, do this, do this. She went, how much do you want to make? And I was like, I want to make Lisa £7,000 because I want to be able to get on your mastermind like that. Feel like would be really pivotal. I don't want to buy anything. I don't want a new car or anything like that. I want to have the means to make more money. Teach me how to fish. So she was like, well, I mean, she laughed. She went, well, do this. It might make you 7,000. It might make you a bit more. Like, we'll see. But I went away and diligently just did everything that she said. And the first launch that we did made 16,000 pounds. And that was just jaw dropping. I remember like I was taking payments by PayPal at the time, which isn't very safe, you know, but not very savvy. We've got much better systems in place now. Seeing these payments come in for the thing that I knew I could deliver on. And my husband's looking at me going, Danny, like, this is actually a thing. And I was like, oh my God, I know. <laughs> and then the very next launch we did, so we did um, like a regroup and, a, and an assessment and a debrief after we did the launch, we did the delivery, went out again and went on to make six figures. And now we're staring seven figures in the face just four years on. And, and for me, every day is a pinch me moment. I stood on the main stage of one of my incredible friends' fantastic events last week. And I know how picky they are about who they put on their stage. And I'd really invested in our friendship and our relationship, showed them what I could do. I've been able to travel. I've been able to buy essentially the house of my dreams. 13 years ago, I was homeless. You know, like there are so many pinch me moments. The people that are wanting to partner with me now Stellar Insurance, I wanted to get involved with the Fly Anyway Foundation, for example, and really grow that here in the UK. The Great British Business Bank, Startup Loans UK, all of these like massive big entities are looking to IATQB and the Fly Anyway Foundation now and going, we love what you're doing. How can we work together? What can we pilot together? And I'm just like, oh, we're doing it then. Okay, it's happening. <laughs> Let's not panic. <laughs> Brilliant. So, just to clarify, yeah. that was your first launch mm-hmm. was 16,000. How long after that did you do your second launch? Six months after that. And have you been launching every six months since Every then? six months since then. Yeah. And the latest launch that we did landed in at 350, so 350,000 for the launch. Fantastic. And it's all relative. So there are a lot of people out in the online space that talk about turnover and turnover is vanity. Yeah. But look at the size of the company that I have now, the people that I have to pay, the professional team that support our speakers. Because it isn't just me doing a bit of coaching. They are surrounded with photographers, videographers, mindset coaches. Like we get them really well prepared. And then we have this massive event for 300 people at Manchester United with an expo on top and an after party. So when we start to look at that, then you can see that the margin suddenly starts to... Like, I don't want to put any kind of false sense of, oh, mm-hmm. you know, oh, she's making all this money. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, she is. But she's also running a company that has lots of, you know, costs that's involved. But amazing that we get to have this kind of impact and this level of impact in such a short space of time. Totally. And I really appreciate you sharing the fact that you've got these costs and just having your usual healthy dose of realism in with those figures there. Yeah. Necessary. Absolutely. So I have this phrase where I bang on about being a joiner. My clients are always like, yeah, yeah, we know, be a joiner. (laughs) But it's really stood me in good stead. I'm always on the lookout for new communities where I can meet great people and collaborate and so on. 
So going back to how you've got to where you are today, you've mentioned your trip to Malta. Are there any other courses or programmes that you've personally taken before setting up your own? Oh, yeah. So Lisa Johnson's One to Many was a game changer for me in terms of understanding how the online space works, how you can monetize the things that you know is absolutely phenomenal. I learned how to write and publish. So I published a book with Authors & Co with Abigail Horn, which was an absolute game changer. So I did three books with her. I did a small micro book in the first instance called Closed Mouths Don't Get Fed, which is like a little book of speaking. I then wrote what I call my big book, which is I'm the Queen Bee, how I overcame self-sabotage to fly anyway and how you can too. And that floats around in the bestseller every month. So that's been so resonant with people that come across me that that's been such a success. But having that asset is really helpful. And then with one of my incredible friends, Nikki James, we did a collaboration book with a group of people called It Starts With You. So having a book as an asset and learning how the utilization of assets as leverage as you're building a a business in an audience has been really, really helpful. So those two things were really key. And then I invest consistently with mentors as and when I need them. So I've worked directly on a one-to-one basis with Dan Meredith. Sherry Teagman is one of my coaches from a business and a mindset perspective. Lisa Johnson has had a masterminds in the past that I've been a part of being active members in communities, Nicola Peake's Private Members Club, for example, and then most recently Expert Empires with Nick James. So there's been lots and lots and lots of investment I've made in my learning and my community to always be growing. But I never invest without A, really considering who else has been through this process and found great success. So I actively seek out testimonials. So I don't just take whatever the person selling me the thing is at face value. I look for where has the success taken place? And I also look for really good energetic and integral alignment with the person that I'm working with. Are they good people doing good things? Like that's got to really got to be at the center of it. If I think about a team mantra for us, whenever we're calling anything in, our arms go in the air, we are good people doing good things. And that's who we align ourselves with, whether it's from a mentorship perspective, a course perspective, whether it's from a podcast perspective. In this respect, Nikki, everything that we do, it's got to be intrinsically aligned with people who consider that we all do well when we all do well. Love it. I absolutely love your values and energy, Danny. Okay, final couple of questions. If you had to go all the way back to four and a half years ago and you were trying to grow this kick-ass community from the ground up today, would you do anything differently? No. I'd really love to know what I would have done is I would have taken care of my earlier finances better. Mm. So I wasn't spendthrift. I wasn't just like weaming money up a wall, but I wasn't really taking care of the whole tax situation. You know, I was investing more rapidly in really, I could afford it and I always made the money, but I put myself under massive unnecessary pressure in order to make those things happen. Whereas now, you know, we are very, very savvy and very clear about the fact that any money that comes in, 20% goes away for that straight yeah. away. A portion goes to the wage bill straight away. A portion goes to the event straight away. Then we look at what we've got left over and that's investment money from there on in. Whereas right at the beginning, it was the other way around. And I think for a lot of people, it's like that. Definitely. They want that rapid growth. So they invest accordingly. A hundred percent. And I've been through that process as well. And I kind of wonder if you have to go through that process to come out the other side. It makes you hungry, right? As soon as your back's against the wall and the tax man's knocking, you think, okay, well, we're making this work now. (laughs) Suddenly you get either really good at making money or really bad at making money and you'll find your metal in those moments. Absolutely. 
Okay, thank you so much for joining, sharing so openly as always. And just one final thing, Danny, where can our listeners, because I'm sure they're going to want to find out more about you, where can they find you online? Where do you hang out? You can find me across the socials at the Queen Bee Danny, all one word, uh, particularly on Instagram and Facebook and also www.iamthequeenbee.co.uk. Amazing. Thank you so much and I'll see you in September. Nikki, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to give you a squeeze. <laughs> see you soon. I'll be back next week with another guest episode, this time with Olivia Morocco of Brand You magazine. Olivia will be sharing how she's growing Brand You and highlighting fantastic entrepreneurial women at every step, including you potentially. So make sure you listen in to find out how next week on Friday at 7am. I'd love to see you then. Have a great week and I'll see you next time. Until then, take care and keep marketing. Marketing.